0: Hello and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. My name is Mike Gregson. I'm your host, and I am really excited to be uh, with my guest, who I have on today with me. Uh, His name is Todd Sylvester, and uh, Todd, I'm now sitting in your chair as the interviewer, (laughs) and you're sitting in your spot as where the interviewees would sit. Todd does his own podcast and I'm literally sitting in your office right now. Right. And I, I'm sitting in the seat where you were just in as you interviewed me for your podcast. For sure, yeah. Yeah. We're giving back to each other. It's awesome. Yeah, grateful uh, grateful to be with you today and, and just have been really um, feeling inspired by you and just uplifted by you just in the short time that we've spent together this morning already on the yeah. first snowy day of 2020.
1: I know, snowing and everything like that. And I'll tell you, uh, this is kind of cool how we're doing this because your story brought such a spirit and and light into this room. It's it's amazing, and I'm I just feel honored to be able to be on your podcast and be able to share. Hopefully, you know, inspire some of your listeners to believe in themselves and to to draw closer to God and and those type of things and overcome
0: maybe something difficult they're going through. And amen to that. And you know, Todd, I we're sitting here in your office and. I'm learning about you and I'm excited to hear your story, but just alone yourself, Todd Sylvester inspires. That's, that's the title of the company that you've created. Todd Syves- Sylvester, Todd Sylvester com. If you go there, you can learn about some of the personal coaching Todd does. You can learn about, you can actually find access to his website, which is on all platforms. It's is called Todd, Todd Sylvester yeah, inspires. Yeah. And there's phenomenal stories on there and and amazing stories of overcoming and uh, people that are in the darkest spots coming to to light and things like that. And I'm so glad to be with you, Todd. So, yeah, if if you don't mind, tell us about yourself, what you do, your family, and and then let's dive into your story.
1: Yeah, so I I grew up just down the road from here, actually, Uh, in Cottonwood Heights. You know, I went to... uh, cottonwood heights elementary school butler junior high brighton high school and they're all just right down the hill oh from you're here. a brighton
0: bangle huh know, bangle Oof, man yeah. i'm an eagle so we're we're rivals we're so, rivals yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah
1: i do have to say we we beat skyline at skyline my senior year so well, i do have to say yeah. that uh no just kidding <laughs> anyway <clears throat> but uh yeah i just grew up down the street um i grew up in a very loving home my parents were so good that way they they always told me that they loved me they were very you know They loved to hug, you know, and I always felt that from them. Um, I played sports growing up. I played every sport, you know, back then that was available soccer, football, baseball, basketball. Those are the four things I was involved with, and I loved it. Um, My family, we didn't talk about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, about drugs or alcohol or sex. You know, it's just those big topics that never got discussed and uh, Different world back different then. Different world back then. We just, you know, stuff you didn't talk about. And I learned a lot of about life just being out on my own, hearing it in the locker room, and with 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 uh, my friends, and things on TV, and that kind of thing, and just going down that road. But we just never talked about big things. And and no fault of my parents. It's just how they were raised, and that's just kind of what we did. And I'm, I have a younger brother, I have an older sister, so I'm right in the middle. And uh, But overall, looking at my childhood, it was good. I mean, I mean, my parents provided a thing a kid would need. You know, just um, my dad again was like sending me to all these camps to be good at sports, and he just made it possible for me to do my thing. And I really, I really loved playing sports growing up. It was. big part of my life
0: that's awesome yeah so a lot of opportunity in front of you really no no reason to not have success in life right yeah yeah especially having parents that that you you go home to that wrap their arms around you and tell you you're 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 worth it you're awesome i love you yeah right absolutely so so where do we get into your story
1: yeah you know it actually starts really young um you know my uh my dad had a a wet bar in our basement and, uh, you know, and my dad, you know, he's not an alcoholic. He's never been an alcoholic, but he, he'd he have a drink, you know. And uh, as a kid, I would always like, hey, what's my, what, what, what
0: do you got in there, dad? <laughs> you know,
1: and he's like, no, this is for adults, you know, you know, Ooh, stay away. from That, that alone stuff. right there is yeah, like, hmm.
0: oh, okay, dad. You know, mm. and as a kid,
1: you're like, oh, okay. And so I took my first sip of alcohol when I was 11 years old. No I went, you know, you know, my parents were both working and me and my little brother even, you know, he was younger even than me. We went behind that wet bar, and we started just sipping on some of the, you know, the hard hard liquor they yeah. had back there. You know, we, I didn't mm-hmm. get drunk or anything, but I kind of fell in love with the rush of I know I shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. I'm an adult now. Yes, yeah, like whoa, look <clears> what I'm doing, and and so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what uh, started. And I I learned at a very young age that I had this all or nothing mentality. Oh. Uh, you know. I'm when I'm in something, I'm all in hundred percent, yeah, right, yeah, and which was can be a really good thing, yes, but it can also be very destructive as well, and so around the seventh and eighth grade, um I had decided I didn't want to play any other sport but basketball, yeah, basketball was my sport um I wanted my dream was to get a college scholarship, and then I wanted to play in the n b a Yes. You know, and it's interesting, Mike, that your your story and my story. You you'd be surprised how they mirror each other. It's it, as you were sharing. I was just going, you got to be me. <laughs> and so you're gonna hear some things. You're gonna go, wow. You know, we, we can truly relate. We're 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 like souls to, that uh, that are connected, man. It's amazing. But- Maybe
0: there's an opportunity for us to start like an old men's. <laughs> mba or something you know like
1: i'm in if yeah. you can figure that out i, I would love it that. that would be amazing okay we'll see what we can do <laughs> okay
0: we'll lower the the height of the rim though i i don't think <laughs> yeah. that's fair lower for to seven feet <laughs> so we right. can dunk it right? that's right
1: but uh you know and so i you know like i said my dad was amazing because he he would teach me like don't you know can not a four-letter word if i ever hear you say that i'll wash your mouth out with soap i mean <laughs> You, honestly it was like that was, a swear word in this. I can swear yeah. but don't say can't yeah right and so that's awesome my dad really taught me the power of believing in myself and not saying I can't do something and so I really took a hold of that I was like wow okay well then I'm gonna play basketball and my dad had poured a court on the side of our house oh cool and uh it, you know looking at it now I go drive by from time to time you know the old house <laughs> growing up and yeah. it's this teeny little thing but back then I'm like man this thing's amazing yeah. it's huge yeah but uh, I was obsessed with basketball and to the point where I practiced two or three hours a day starting in seventh grade. I would be, back then we had what we call ghetto blasters. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's just a little stereo, yes. portable stereo you yes. take with you. With the double D batteries, double right? Double D batteries. That cost way yeah, too much. Way too much and didn't last very long yes. and you get so mad, but we would. We'd flip on, you know, me and my brother and my friends. Uh, we'd cl- flip on the old ghetto blaster, play some music. And what music play.
0: did you listen to, Todd? What oh, was your go-to when oh, you were wow. in the dream?
1: Man, I was I was into metal.
0: All right. Yeah. Ben all right. Halen, that got Iron you Maiden, in your basketball AC/DC, zone, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Aerosmith back in the day, you know, yeah. all the all the you know all the great bands. Yeah. But yeah, I really loved kind of the harder stuff. That got you, know? you going. Got me going. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I would practice two or three hours every single day. And I, I realized as a young age, this is what I want to do. You know, this is this is my life. This is where I'm going. College scholarship first, MBA next. And so that's what I did. And so back when I was going to, to school, ninth grade was in high school. Okay. And so my goal was, um, I remember eighth grade, I was, in, you know, as junior high was wrapping up, I'm like, I, I want to make that freshman team. Yeah. So again, I practiced all summer. That's the goal. Two or three hours a day. I mean, I was just going, doing great. And uh, ninth grade comes. I go and try out for the team. I made the team. I was so excited. Awesome. I was this skinny little kid. There was 18 kids on the team. Holy cow. Yeah, too many kids. Yeah. And so what you meant, made it, I made it, but, but it mm-hmm. meant that I didn't play very much. Sure. You know, I got in towards the end of the game. If we were killing someone, Todd can come in, shoot a three, Todd, shoot a yeah. three. Well, actually this is before the three. Oh, whoa. There was no threes. Yeah. yeah. So this, that, that'll, that'll date me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and so, um, I didn't play very much and it kind of just fueled my desire. I've got to work harder and that's, that was my focus. Okay. I'm going to work harder. Well, towards the end of my freshman year, um, I think it was about the month of May, I had a friend of mine invite me to go to Bear Lake on a four-day weekend with his family. And I asked if I could go. Parents said, sure. I go up to this you know, uh, trip with this my friend's family. We pull into the campsite. And as we pull into the campsite, we're sitting in the back of this Chevy Blazer. And my my buddy says, hold on, wait a minute. You know, as his family gets out of the car, I'm like, what? He goes, just hold on a minute. So he lets the family get out of the car. They start going, looking at the campsite. And as they got away from the, from the, the car, he grabs his backpack and he pulls out a quarter ounce of marijuana, Oh, whole sandwich bag full. I didn't even know what it was. i would never seen it. I'm like, what's that? He goes, it's marijuana. And he goes, we're going to smoke this. And he goes, and I'll never forget. He goes, you're going to love it. And I was like, okay. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know. I'm like, sure. Let's smoke it. So I smoke it a few times, don't feel anything. I'm like, this is stupid, right? He says, just be patient. It'll hit. And sure enough, boy, I got so high. And I did. I fell in love with yeah. it. That all or nothing mm-hmm. mentality kicked in. And I thought, I'm going to smoke this every day. This is amazing. We smoked that entire bag in four days, <laughs> just him and I. And I, I'm i not kidding you. I'm like, I'm going to do this every day of my life. And so and little did I know what that decision was. Was going to lead to sure, and so um, the very next weekend after that Bear Lake trip, I had another friend of mine whose pa- uh, mom went out of town for the weekend. Sure, and they asked me if I'd ask one of my family members, uh, one of my extended family members, get us some beer for a party because we knew he'd get it for sure. Us. So I asked him, "Hey, would you mind get us some, some beer for a party?" He said, Absolutely, he gets us ten cases. Oh, are you kidding me? Ten <laughs> cases of beer. We're like, and and, and and as a kid, we're like, this is great. And you're a freshman. I'm a freshman. I mean, that's a. <sighs> and I'm this teeny little kid. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, and oh man, it was like, we thought we hit the mother low, the yeah. lottery. We're like, yes. And so <laughs> we invited a bunch of people. Well, I drink that night and I drink so much. This is my first time really drinking. Sure. You know, I had those sips at 11, 12 and 13 from time to time. All Never in. Never got drunk. But I'll tell you, I, that night I went all in and I blacked out. I don't even remember oh. that night. I woke up the next morning hungover, not remembering half the night even, just like what happened. And my friends were like, dude, you were talking to these girls. You were crazy last night. You were doing this. And as they were saying this, it was feeding my ego. I thought, wow, my friends think I'm cool. I'm and look, awesome. What I'm awesome. I'm not kidding you. It was like, Again, and it clicked, and I'm not kidding you, what went through my mind is like, I'm gonna be the biggest partier at Brighton High School. That's that's honestly what went through my mind. And it sounds silly to say it out loud, but I'm not kidding you, that's what went through my mind. Now, go back just a little bit. I'm just like any other kid, I'm insecure. Um, I think I have this voice in my head that tells me I look funny. Yeah. I'll never have a girlfriend, I because again, I was so skinny, people would make fun of me that I was skinny.
0: For being skinny.
1: And I really thought I look funny. Ah. And I, I I'm, It was I was insecure. If I heard people laughing in the hallway. It was at you. It was at me. They're like, oh, look how skinny that kid is. He and looks it, so dorky. Isn't it
0: crazy how we do that? I know. Ah, oh, and, and all of us do. It's so hard. It is. Yeah, and it
1: started forming this belief system that ultimately I'm just not good enough. And And it, again, I would... Not, I didn't really know what was going. I just just felt insecure about myself. But when my friends were saying that, I thought, wow, I fit in. All of a sudden, I'm awesome. Yeah, And this is my thing. Yeah. And it was my family member that got that. So now I'm the guy. Yeah. Right? And so in that two-week period, I go from, you know, I was practicing basketball, which was good. I'm still practicing basketball, but I'm now smoking pot every day. Start, I'm not kidding you, that's where it started, and I'm drinking every weekend. And that's what I started doing from that day forward. I just partying. And I'd throw parties at my house. My parents would leave on vacation. Um, I would throw a kegger at my house. I would do, and again, I would buy, I was buying pot and I would share it with my friends. I didn't care, I would, you don't know, have to pay me. Yeah. And again, because I wanted them to like me. Yep. And so it just became this like, hey, look at me. I would, I would buy an eighth of marijuana in the bathrooms at Brighton High School on Friday with the same kid I went to Bear Lake with. And I'd you know it cost $15, right? I'd steal a $20 bill for my dad's money roll. He'd never miss it, never saw it. And I'd buy every Friday uh, a, an eighth of marijuana for myself. And I'd roll it up and I'd put it underneath my belt in my pants. Yeah. And that's where I would stash it and I would walk around on Friday thinking I was look at me, man. I'm tough.
0: You guys wanna have a good weekend? You know who's well it was just like a
1: badge of honor. It was almost like, man, I felt empowered. And uh, but really it was so surfaced because deep down I was like, I'm a loser, I look funny, no girls ever wanna be with me. And so anyway, so jumping ahead. From my freshman year to my sophomore year, I grew eight inches. No kidding. Yeah, <laughs> which is really good for basketball. Yeah, it's like Michael right? Jordan. Hey, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding you. I just but I, and I'm still practicing two or three hours every day. Yeah, uh, and
0: even through the smoking and all the drinking, of that. Okay. Yeah, even though I'm partying and yeah. stuff now,
1: I'm still practicing. That was still my passion. Sure. It, and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, sophomore year, I make the starting point guard. Um, I lead the team in every category, oh, cool. scoring, right? We ended up taking first in state. No I played kidding. a little varsity as yeah. well. Um, my junior year, um, we took second in state. I led the team in every category. My senior year, I was voted team captain with two other guys, and we took first in state again. No kidding. So we had this run. I I played with some of the most amazing athletes, and uh, we just had this team that was unbelievable. How cool, yeah. And to be a part of that and to be the starting point guard of that was like, mind-blowing to yeah. me yeah well so if we jump back a little bit as you know you know you I got bored with just drinking and smoking pot all the time I'm like well I want to try whatever else what else is out there and I started back then speed was a big thing We called them crosstops yeah we were popping speed we would crush them up and snort them we would you know um, I started doing cocaine mm. I got into mushrooms I got into drinking cough syrup I mean and I'm not kidding you. My mentality was when I'd go to a party that I'm going to be the craziest one at this party. Yeah. Like I'm going to get wasted. Like if I was throwing up, I would be like, this is amazing. My friends would look at me like, you're nuts, dude. Yeah. But that was the mentality. So everything was fine until my senior year though. I mean, when I say fine, it felt fine, but it really wasn't. But hadn't
0: wrecked your life yet. Right. It's still, I mean, obviously basketball is still successful you're talking to girls at parties
1: you absolutely and attention I felt connected with my friends all that stuff you're right that's perfectly said but senior year that voice in my head became very loud Mm. you're pathetic you're a loser no girl's ever going to want to be with you Mm. you know and I walked around the hallways my senior year thinking that no one liked me. And the only way I felt somewhat normal is if I was getting high or throwing a party or giving my friends some drugs or just doing partying with them. And it was a really dark year for me. Um, I'm, I'm team captain, starting You're, point guard. I, you know, on the outside, someone looking at me, go, God, he's got it all. Kind yeah, of that boy, people
0: are envious of your life. And, and yet undisclosed you're just suffering on the inside yeah all the success on the outside yep
1: I was really suffering on the inside Eh. and so Mm -mm. I would play a couple really good games matter of fact I'll I'll never forget this I was playing Skyline High School I was playing against has to be my uh, Eagles, of course I was was playing against uh, Danny Vrain's little brother yeah and Tom Chambers little brother yeah anyway so we're up there uh, up at Skyline it's a preseason game and it's packed I mean it's loud and yeah. it's loud in yep. that gymnasium. Yep. Well, I uh am playing, everything's fine. I'm cherry picking on a play and they throw me the ball, but for some reason I'm thinking I'm under the hoop. And I turn and I thought, I'm just gonna take two steps and lay it in. Well, I turn and I'm like at the foul line. And I take these two long steps and I'm trying to stretch and I'm in in my head I'm going, I'm screwed. Holy cow! <laughs> I'm screwed. And I throw it right in the crotch of the rim of this and The whole Skyline student body just was like, just, you know, ripping, ripping on me, laughing like, and just, you know, yeah. and my coach lit me up. He's yelling at me. They call timeout. He's, he benches me. And I, I don't know what, what happened. It just got me. And, uh, that night after the game, I got high, I drank like I was anyways, but I was that's when I, that's when the thoughts of ending my life started to kick in I'm like I'd just rather be dead oh. I was so embarrassed anyway so I'd play a couple really good games a couple really bad games and it was kind of this up and down season and my coaches and family and friends are all looking at me going
0: what's going on where's the consistency yeah what's
1: what's up with you Todd what's going you know how do you And I said, I don't know. And I didn't put it together with the partying. I was like, I don't know. I'm just mentally, I can't figure it out. Because
0: you'd had success for a couple of years, and it wasn't so up and down. And then all of a sudden, you're in your senior year, and it's up and down, and whoa.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you
0: weren't connecting the dots. to Right.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, we took state my senior year. I played the best game of my life, the state final game. I was up at the U of U. We played Hillcrest. We beat them by 20 points. Yeah. And I... I'm not kidding you. It's interesting. I had a really one of my best friends, Mike Pratt, was in the stands. He was one of my best supporters, and he got the crowd. My nickname in high school is Sly Dog, and he had the crowd going, Sly
0: Dog, yeah. Sly Dog. And there's was was a movie about you know Rudy with that. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna we need to send this to somebody. Yeah, that maybe I don't Sly know. Dog. But just just like
1: hearing the crowd chant that, I was like, wow. And and again, anyway, I played the best game of my life. Yeah. We won state. It was a, one of the greatest experiences that night. That night I got wasted, yeah. snorted Coke that night, um, and then continued partying. And so a week after we took state, I got offered a full ride scholarship. I was like, That's, that was my goal. That I was made my it. dream. I had it in my hands, and I'm like, this is amazing. We had about a month and a half left of my senior year because it was about the middle of April when we took state, I think, if I remember, Uh give or take a few weeks. And uh, I thought, well, I've gotten the scholarship in my hand. I'm going to party like I've never partied before in my life. I made it. I made it. I got it. So I'll put that on hold for a second. And I went crazy. And when I say I went crazy, I got to share this one particular time. So I'm partying. I'm doing every drug under the sun. I'm doing crazy things. We, one of my, my, my same friends who mom went out of town when I drank right. and get blacked out, same mom, same friend, she was gone and he throws this party right before graduation. And so we go to this party and we invited the senior class. I mean, it was like packed with people. There was girls, guys, it was just, it was nuts. And we're drinking and this and that. Well, my friend pulls out his beer bong. And for those of you who don't know what a beer bong yep. is, it's a funnel. That you duct tape a two foot tube to that's about an inch in diameter, and um, you pour any drink in you want, and you lift that funnel over your head, put the tube in your mouth, and it shoots it right down, down, down your throat. And uh, so we got in this big circle, and someone came up with the idea let's try to one up everyone so you're going to start with one beer and then go around oh, the next person will do two yeah three and it's going around the circle right and, well i happen to be at the end of and the circle todd's not going to be beat well i'm i didn't plan it that way yeah. to be at the end of the circle but i just happened to be and i'm watching it going around and i'm seeing everyone just getting engaged and everyone's like oh let's see what they're gonna do and i thought i'm gonna blow everyone out of the water i'm all in so when it gets to me I pour a fifth of vodka oh, in there. Oh boy. And everyone's like, "No, no, no, don't do that." My friend next to me Drew, Toby, he goes, "Dude, don't do that." I lifted it up over my head and I I drank a fifth of vodka in about 2 seconds. <sighs> I didn't know it then, but my bl- I was a skinny kid, remember? <clears throat> I didn't know it then, but my blood alcohol level would have been 0. .51. Whoa. Lethal's 0. .42. I was going
0: to say that's death.
1: Um I don't that's the last thing I remember. And I wake up the next evening at 6 p.m. I'm still wasted. And I wake up to my friend shaking me. I'm covered head to toe in blood. i had been puking blood all night. And I'm in my friend's living room holding a toilet seat. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea what even happened. And I couldn't talk. When he woke me up, I felt like someone had shoved a knife through my throat. I couldn't. I was just like... And I was just like, what happened? And oh. I was just like, dude, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. What are you? And I was, I again, I'm just wasted. Oh. And uh, I didn't go home that night. My parents had no idea where I was. They had the cops out looking for me. I mean, I, anyway. So, Ooh. but again, my friends mm-hmm. were like, it's the craziest thing we've ever seen. Started feeding my ego again. But again, at this point, I am a mess. Mentally, yeah. physically, spiritually. I'm depressed. I hate who I am. I'm putting on a mask with my friends. Everything's fine. <clears throat> but I'm in a bad place. And so you think that would have slowed my parting down? It didn't. I continued doing crazy stuff. At this point, I can drink a case of beer and can be completely fine. Yeah. You know, as you know, you know you shared with me how you build up that tolerance. You just keep going. You just keep going and you need more and more and more to yeah. kind of get to where you want to be. Yeah. It's never enough. Yeah. And at this point, I really am in a bad place, and addic- addictions obviously a part of it. Um, well, I graduate, I, I midsummer, I start practicing with the team. I'm still partying. Which team? Tell me what team. Uh, Utah Valley Community College. Awesome. Class. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I start practicing with that team, full ride scholarship. Two weeks into the practice, the coach pulls me into his office, and and he said, he just just like you and I are sitting. He goes, "What's going on?" That's all he says to me, and right when he says that, I knew I'm in trouble. Shame, just oh. I knew what he meant. I said, Coach, I know I'm not playing well. I know I can do better, and and I'll try harder. And he says, Todd, he goes, This is the big boy league. I don't have time to mess around. He goes, I can tell something's off, and there's kids who have walked on that want this more than you. And he goes, I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm taking away your scholarship. Oh, and I'm not kidding you. When he said that, I, it was like you know, kind of like vertigo, like my, the blood left my head and I was just like, did I hear, what What did you just say? And it, then it hits like, yeah, he just took away my scar. And I literally get on my knees and I, I'm crying. And I said, coach, I know I'm not playing well. Please give me another chance. I will do better. I promise you. Oh. He says, Todd, the decision's been made. I'm sorry. My first thought after that went to, how am I going to tell my dad? Shame. my dad lived through me through sports sure he gave me every opportunity to be the best basketball player ever i went to every he oh. paid all this money to, to send me to every mm. the greatest basketball camps and all the training one-on-one training all this stuff lifting weights all this stuff and i just thought how am i going to tell him this and so and then my next thought was how am i going to tell my friends i've been bragging to everyone i got a scholarship Now, how I'm going to have to actually say, well, I don't have it anymore.
0: That mask's going to get ripped off. Yeah,
1: for sure. And so when that happened, I became this angry drunk. Mm. And, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. Yeah. What comes before anger is hurt and fear. I had all tons of hurt, and I was scared of my future. And so every time I would drink, I would punch holes in the wall. I put my head through the wall. I throw chairs through windows. Just we'd we'd be we'd be at a party, and all of a sudden, without I wouldn't tell anyone. I'd just grab a chair and throw it through a window and shatter it. And they'd be looking at me, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. And I'd just be like, and I'd be like, "Yeah," acting like it was no big deal, but inside it's just like, I want to die. You're dark. It's I want dark. to die. Yeah. So I ended up trying out at several other colleges here in Utah and universities, mm-hmm. even a few out of state, got cut from every single one of them. So again, that belief I'm pathetic, I'm a loser, who were, who practices 2 to 3 hours every day since 7th grade to piss it all away mm. because I'd rather get high. Mm-hmm. And so and and
0: going back to what yeah. you said before Todd Sylvester's all in. When he does something, he goes all in. So when you're starting to feel bad about yourself, did you kind of, did that kind of come with it as well? Like you were all in on the fact that you sucked.
1: Oh, all in. Yeah. And, and again, I think every kid goes through this. When we're younger, every child, we start doubting ourselves. That voice comes in at an early age and and unfortunately some worse than others. Yeah. So it had been cultivating for a while, but obviously it just, you know, at this point it is so loud. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, and so drinking and doing drugs isn't fun. It's just like, I just want to try to numb out from this just, voice in my yeah, head. Yeah, get
0: get this right? stuff
1: away from me. And so um, I tried out all these other places, got cut. I find myself, I'm living in a home down in Orem with five other guys, and it's this party house. And I'm telling, I call it the nasty house yeah. because it was nasty. nasty. We, we had this big brick wall when we were done with our beer bottles. We'd throw Chuck them against the him. wall, let them shatter. We wouldn't clean it up. Uh. People at parties would pee in the corner. Um, we didn't clean the showers or bathrooms. It was mold everywhere. Holes in the wall where we're punching holes. We didn't care, I didn't care. Mm. And the reason why I'm pointing this out for the listeners is that this house was an outward manifestation of my inner world, uh. right? Our inner world and outer world mirror each other. I was a mess, so my outer world was a mess. It mirrors it perfectly. And this house mirrored it perfectly. I and love so, that. well, after getting cut at all those places, living in this nasty house, I will never forget it was a Thursday. I just remember it being a Thursday. Yeah. And the reality hits me that basketball's done, dude. It's over. You're not gonna play college ball anymore. So, NBA is out of the question for sure. Yeah. But I was more focused on, well, can I even just get a, you know, play in college? Sure. It was over. Mm. And that reality slapped me upside the head. And then that voice in my head was just like, you're pathetic. And so I decided, I'm going to kill myself. My dad had a shotgun at home. I knew where the shells were. I was going to go home on the weekend, excuse me, and take my life. You were committed. Done. Um, I was working as a bartender on the weekends at this point. Um, I was failing every class in school. I wasn't getting any. Um, if we go back, I got a five on the ACT. I mean, it's. I can laugh about it now. <laughs> and I tried to laugh about it back then, but <clears> it was really pathetic. That's. I, I just was a mess. I really was. Looking back
0: on it now, you're probably like, hey, at least I showed up. Yeah. I'd
1: I'd shaved my head. I Uh, got an earring. I was just like trying to be someone I wasn't. I was just, you know, searching, grasping at straws, trying to figure out things. Anything to escape you. So again, mentally, spiritually, physically, complete mess. Uh, And uh, so I planned my suicide. And so Friday comes, I'm driving down University Avenue. And at this time, I'm attempting to go to school at Utah Valley Community College. And Utah Valley Community College is right there at the freeway exit yeah. of you know I fifteen and University Avenue, right? And um, we would always go hang out at the lunchroom, just you know me and my friends. And uh, as I'm driving down, getting ready to get on the freeway and go home and end my life, I had this thought: I you know obviously see the school on my uh, right side. It must have been, it had to have been around lunchtime. I thought, well, I'm going to go there first. Almost like saying goodbye. It was like a subconscious thing. I sure. just turn in there and I walk into the same table we always sat at and there's all my friends and I sit down and I'm just in my own head thinking about what I'm doing. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm just sitting there. Checked you know. out. And everyone's just kind of doing their thing and I'm not trying to make a scene or anything. I'm just... Sitting there. Yeah. All my friends are talking. So this big round table, you know, you can see like ten people. Well, this particular day there was these two LDS girls sitting right next to me. And these two girls, for whatever reason, would come sit with us all the time. No kidding. And they drove me nuts. I love them now, Yeah. but at the time, they drove me nuts because- Why are you here? Yeah, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, and they would try to get they would invite us to church. Yeah. And they'd talk about their religion. Yeah. And I would rip on them. I was yeah. like, your religion's just, it's a bunch of BS. Do you know what you know? I do on the weekends? Yeah, why yeah. don't you give your tithing to someone who actually needs, <laughs> you know, like the homeless or yeah. something? And, and they would just laugh, let it roll off their yeah, back. Yeah, but you they'd know? show up. And they would just show up. Every, and they were, I think why they bothered me is because they seemed so happy. Yeah. And so- it, and, uh, yep, it
0: was foreign to you. You didn't have, yep, Yeah, and I was light. just ticked at them. Yep.
1: So, exactly, yep. we talked about that. That light, you know, light attracts light and on the same levels and theirs was much higher than mine for sure. So it bothered And it them. just bugged me. Yep. And I didn't like that they were happy. And so as I'm sitting there in my head thinking about what I'm going to go home and do, everyone's talking. I overhear these two girls talking about fasting and prayer. I've Never heard that before. Really, I honestly didn't know what fasting meant. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what that I'm like, What is that? Yeah. But that word fasting had hit me in the heart. It was like, What is that, huh? Like, I don't know how to. It like woke me up. Laura. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And I was like, What are they talking about? But I didn't dare say anything at the table. I just sat there for a minute, like, Well, the two girls get up to go, I guess, probably to class or wherever they were so going. So you didn't engage them. No, I didn't engage them at all. That. I just heard that. But I stood up and I followed the two girls from behind, and I'm walking behind them, and I'm like nervous, but I want to ask them what it is. What yeah. were you talking about? Yeah. So I tapped them on the shoulder, and they turn around. Hey, what's up? And I go, Hey, were you just talking about fasting and prayer? And they're like, Yeah. Why do you want to know? Like, are you gonna rip on that too? Yeah. And I'm like, No, I'm dead serious. Like, I overheard you guys talking about fasting and prayer. What What is that? And they're like, you really want to know? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. I I have no idea. But for some reason, I just want to know what that is. And so they start to explain, in our religion, we fast once a month. Um, We start with a prayer. We go the whole day without food or water or drink. And and we end with a prayer. And as they're explaining this to me in my head, I'm going, this is ridiculous. What's the point? Why would you starve yourself? And I asked them when they got done explaining it to me, what's the point? Why do you do that? And I'll never forget one of the girls pointed right in my face and said, if you want help from God. And when she said that again, I felt this just pierced my heart. Mm -hmm. And my thought went to, is there a God and would he help? I just told the girls, thanks for sharing that. And I walked away. And as I walked away to go to my car, thinking about going home to end my life, I thought, I kept saying, is there a God and would he help me? Is there a God? And I'm not kidding you. And I got in my car and I sat there and I thought, what do I do? Do I go home and kill myself? Or is there a God? and Would he help me? And I thought, you know what? I'm not going home. I'm going to stay this weekend in that nasty house. Um, I'm not going to go work as a bartender that weekend. And I'm going to try this. I just thought I'm going to try this. So Saturday, now it's Saturday morning and i get up and i remember the girl saying, i knew what prayer was obviously yeah. you know everyone kind of pr- pretty much knows yeah. what prayer is i'd never really prayed in my life but i thought okay i got to start with a prayer they you know i didn't want my roommates to see what i was doing so i went in this teeny <laughs> coat closet i'm not kidding you, it was like 2 by 4 yeah and i there's coats in there so i literally <laughs> have to get on my knees yeah and i close this door and i'm just crammed in this little box with coats above me and i just said and you'll relate with this mike I said, God, if you're there, I need help. That's all I said. I get up out of that closet, hoping no one's seeing me walking out of that teeny closet. Like, what were you doing in there? And uh, for the first time since Bear Lake, I didn't wake up and smoke a bowl. I didn't pop a pill. I didn't snort a line. I didn't have a drink. No kidding. And anyone who's ever fasted and prayed, you know, you can get, what do they call it, hangry? Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> so not only am I not eating or drinking, I'm not doing any drugs, nothing for the first time since Bear Lake. No kidding. And I'm in a bad mood, I'll be honest with you. Sure. I was just like, and even my roommates were like, what's up with you? Nothing. I didn't want to tell them what I was doing. Yeah. Nothing. I just tried to stay away from them. I think I made it till like noon. <laughs> cuz they said go, you know, go till like, you know, evening time. Yeah. That's what the girls had said. Yeah. I th- I made it till like maybe noon, and I was yeah. just like I can't do this anymore. So I went back in that same closet cuz they said end with a prayer. Yeah. I closed the door, I'm crammed in there again. And I said, "God, if you're there, I did this fast and I need your help." And uh being naive of this whole thing, you know, the girls didn't say, sometimes it takes a minute for prayers to get answered, you know, and I thought if God's real, he's going to show himself. I sat there, kneeled in there in that closet waiting for something to yeah. happen. And I waited and I waited. It felt like forever. Yeah. I, you know, I'm impatient. It was probably just a couple minutes. You know, I'm just like, where are you? Yeah. Nothing happened. And I was actually very disappointed. Yeah. And I got wasted that night. no I was still having thoughts of killing myself. I was still wrestling with that. I'm like, I tried this, nothing happened. But this actually kept me from doing it. Yeah. I, even though I was still wrestling with that voice in my head, I was still partying, still drinking. I'm not going to school. I'm working as a bartender. I've got friends at this point are graduating, getting married. I'm just like, I'm a freaking loser. Basketball, my dream. I gone. ruin everything. I'm like, why, why, why do I should why should I even be here? Oh. Well, I get. About a month later, I get this phone call. This is more four cell phones. you gotta re- remember this right The phone on the wall actually rang where you got excited like who's who's calling yeah. or, or, or you didn't get excited, you' were afraid don't yeah. answer that yeah. right because you didn't know who it yeah, was right? right Well, so I get this phone call from a friend of mine named uh, Rich Saunders who I went to high school with okay. He was on the basketball team. He yeah. was the four A state MVP. Cool. He was an amazing athlete, amazing guy. Like overall, again, he wasn't a perfect kid, but just man, a good in guy. my eyes, perfect. Yeah. The guy did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, and he was a hard worker. He was disciplined, and uh, I always looked up to him. And and he was he was one of the team captains with me, and I just this guy was amazing to me. Yeah. We hadn't talked. He had gone on a mission. He'd since been back married in the temple living his life you know doing his thing already he played, with the family he played basketball at uc davis okay a, you know he was just doing amazing stuff and was he out
0: in california not he had come back since okay.
1: then so he's now back from uc davis yeah and he calls me up and says hey todd this is rich you know and i'm just
0: like well i mean like how did you track me down yeah. in this yeah. freaking nasty house calling on a wall phone, wall phone when you're what are the chances for anyone ever being around exactly. when you need them right
1: and uh, he goes, where are you at? And I says, I'm down here in Orem. He goes, so am I. He goes, I would really love to catch up with you today. Would you come over? And I said, absolutely. Um, and as I'm driving over there, I'm like, this is weird. You yeah. know, like I haven't seen him. And, yeah. You know, and, but you know, I really liked him, like I said, and looked up to him. And so I was looking forward to talking to him. And so I get there, I pull, you know, ring, knock on the door. He opens up the door and he's got this real serious look on his face and the reason why I point that out is this guy's a, loves to goof around. Yeah, he's positive, usually happy. Wrap just, up. yeah, yeah. And he's just real serious. And I thought, oh, is everything all right? You know. And I'm like, what, what happened what? to you, man? What happened? You know? Is this going to be one of those network marketing meetings? <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, and so anyway, he uh, we sit down just like this, and we just start weather talk. You know, hey, yeah. what, what are you up to? What's going on? Just surfacey stuff, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden, he starts saying all these amazing things about me. He's like, Todd, you're going to help so many people in your life. You're going to make a difference in this world. You And then he kept saying, you're going to help so many kids. And I'm sitting there going, what is he freaking talking about? Right? I'm like, you know, and you know how like when you don't believe in yourself, someone compliments you, it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like squirming in my seat yeah. going.
0: Yeah, like, that's not true. I'm, actually, like, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so
1: I finally cut him off. I'm like, Rich, I don't know why you're saying this but my life's a mess. I have no idea why you think all these great things about me. And he goes, and I go, I don't know why you're saying this, right? And he says, Todd, he goes, I, I didn't go to work today because I have to share a message with you. I'm like, okay, is everything okay? He's like, no, everything's fine. And I can tell he's nervous, yeah. right? He's like
0: sitting there. That's why he's so somber.
1: Yeah, and he's also, he, and I'm like, so what do you need to tell me, right? Yeah. And there's this long pause, and I can, again, tell that he's nervous. And he's just sitting there and long pause and he takes his deep breath and he looks me in the eye and he says, Todd, last night, the Lord came to me last night and says, we need you on our side today. And when he said that, Mike, I'm not, I don't know how to explain it. I felt this feeling from head to toe. It was like every cell in my body was on fire. Yeah. And it was a good feeling. Yeah. And I didn't know it then, but you know, the way I describe it now, I felt the love of God, yeah. and it was intense. And I'll be honest with you, it actually scared me a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, what is <laughs> this, right? And I tell Rich, I said, I fasted about a month ago, and I asked God for help. He looks at me right now and he says, this is your help. Yeah, it's, it's your answer. And it was just like this surreal, and we would just sat there in this silence. I'm crying, he's crying. And I'm just sitting there going, did I just get an answer from God? I mean, it, I, and again, then you always second guess yourself. Well, no, I don't know. What's going on here? And then I look at Rich. I'm like, well, now what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? What does that mean? And I told him, you know, again, mentally, physically, spiritually, I'm a freaking wreck right now. And he says, you need to go see your bishop. And I said, I don't have a bishop. And he goes, yes, you do. You just don't know it. And so he gets on the phone on the wall. <laughs>
0: Were you like, wait, hold on, hold on here. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: And I'm not kidding you. He spends 45 minutes on the phone. I don't even know who he's talking. I'm just sitting there waiting. Right. Like, 45 minutes. He's on the phone. He's calling people. And I, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea. Get, finally hangs up, comes over, and he says, I got you an appointment with your bishop, and, and you need to be there tomorrow at this time, or whatever. And I'm like, what? I go, why do I need to go see this guy? <laughs> he goes, you need to tell him everything you've been doing. And Rich is one of those guys, he ain't afraid to tell you anything. I'm like, I'm not telling this guy anything. He goes, Rich is one of those guys that get you to commit. He basically took me by the collar and says, you better promise me you're going to show He's up. He's the committed matter with force. Dude, I'm not kidding you. You had me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go. And again, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. I'm scared to death. So the next day, jumping ahead, I drive into this parking lot of this church. So foreign. So Holy foreign. Cow. And my heart's pounding. Yeah. And I see one car in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, there's that bishop's car. You and I literally turn back around. Oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm like,
1: I can't do this. Wow. Right? And then I thought, no, I gotta I I I committed to Rich and I'm gonna have to answer to him. So you turn back around again. So I turn back back around yeah. and I pull in. And here's my thought. I'm gonna go in there for five minutes. I'll listen to what the, he has to tell me yep. and I'm out.
0: That way I can check the
1: box. Check the box and tell Rich, yep, I'm out with him. So I go. His name's Bishop Taylor. Yeah. One of the greatest guys ever. I sit down. Well, I go in there. He just shakes my hand and we introduce each other. Yeah. To, our, to ourselves, to each other, and we sit down. And he just goes, "So, tell me what's going on," and doesn't say another word. And he just not, he doesn't smiling. even like start with, "Hey, nope. so
0: you're not a member of our faith? Is nope. there any questions you have?"
1: Nope. He says it's nothing. You. He's there for you. And he just sat there. And I'm looking at. him like, Well, okay. <laughs> and then. I thought, well, I'll tell him why I'm here. So I said, I told him about my experience with fasting yeah. and why Rich reached out to him and that whole that whole experience. Yeah, you know, and he's looking, and I end up spending three hours in this guy's no, office kidding. and I unload everything. I tell him all the lying, the cheating, the stealing, because you know, it's not just about the drug abuse and the alcohol abuse; it's about everything else that comes with it. We become amazing liars. We can manipulate anybody, right? We will cheat people to get what we want. And stuff I was doing with girls. I mean, I was doing all this bad stuff. I I really was a, I felt like a horrible human being. Yeah. The and
0: drinking is to hide and mask right. the shame, yeah. the am doing the stuff. Doing. Yeah, and
1: I'm doing all this stuff, right? Mm. But I share everything with this dude, and I'm thinking this dude's gonna throw me out of his office. This is crazy. He's <laughs> probably over there going. This is, uh, you
0: know, what are we getting ourselves into here? Yeah, like you know what we believe in our faith, right? Like this is crazy. Yeah, no, mm. I have
1: no clue where this is gonna go. I'm just doing what Rich told me to do. So I unload on this guy, right? So I get done finally unloading on this guy. He says, all right, I got four things I want you to do. I'm like, okay. He goes, do you think you could uh, say a prayer uh, one time a day just like you did when you were in that closet? Do you think you could do a one prayer a day? I go, yeah, I could probably do that. And he goes, okay. Then he hands me a set of scriptures and goes, have you ever read these before? No. He goes, I want you to read one verse a day. I, dude, I didn't even know what a verse was. <laughs> I'm not he, he opens a- it up and goes, this is a verse. <laughs> and I go, Yeah, I can probably do that. And he goes, I don't even care if you understand it. He goes, Can you just do one a day? I like, Well, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. Right? And then he goes, I want to, or then he goes, I want to meet with you every week for a year. No kidding. And I go, I can't do that. I I did. I told him, I'm not not doing that. He goes, We'll take it a week at a time. He goes, But that's what I want to do with you. I want to meet with you every week for a year and I'm just like I'm fighting that he goes we'll take it we'll take it a week at a time and then he says one of the greatest things ever he goes I need you to be honest with me and I go okay I know I know what that means I just told you everything but what are you saying he goes when we meet I need you to tell me if you use if you lie if you cheat if you steal I need you to tell me everything every time we meet I says I can think I I can do that, and I'll tell you he taught me the power of that principle of honesty. Yeah, I tell it to my clients every day. If you're honest with yourself, you'll never relapse, because how does a good person bridge the gap to come over here and do all this horrible stuff? We justify it, yeah, thinking error, and it's always a lie. Yeah, he taught me the power of honesty, so I start meeting with this guy every week right? And every week, yep, I drank every day this week. I smoked pot every day. I snorted a line of Coke. Yep, I lied to my parents uh, on this. I mean, and I'm being brutally honest with them. And again, I'm thinking, this guy's probably thinking, <laughs> this guy's a lost cause. <laughs> but he was just so patient. He wasn't, and here's what's amazing. He didn't tell me to come to church. He just says, do those four things. That's it. I don't he's want you to do for, anything else. He's there for you. Yep. So I was trying to do those four things. I was okay with the I was pretty good on the praying really bad on the reading but I was meeting with him every week and I was being really honest yeah so those I was doing pretty good on. yeah but but I'll be honest with you too that voice in my head was still going strong you're pathetic you're a loser you're never going to make this you'll never be clean what's the point and I'm just like I was really frustrated honestly yeah but again this guy was so patient and I'm meeting with him every week it takes me eight and a half months before I can look him in the eye and say, I made it three days clean this week.
0: No kidding.
1: And he's like, you know, again, like, okay, progress. Yeah. right? But in my head, I'm going, I was white knuckling those days. This is horrible. I, this ain't going to happen.
0: But you still kept going.
1: Yeah. Because like, there, there was some hope there.
0: You were so broken looking for any glimmer of light, right? I mean, yes. it, like you kept showing up and that yeah. to me, that's amazing. Yeah. So
1: kind of like with your story where you needed something to really wake you up and 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 un- unfortunately yours was an accident but fortunately cuz as hard as that was for yeah, you it was what, I what I needed. you needed. Yep. Well, I I was still struggling and I wasn't necessary, give me something else. I yeah. was just like I don't. I just felt lost again. It a wasn't bit. fully clicking. It just exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I just wasn't clicking. Well, I'm a bartender still, which sure. is not a good idea if you're trying to quit drinking, <laughs> right? Sure. I'm like <laughs> surrounded
0: you know? by all day long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, as a bartender, I'd get tips from the waiters and waitresses because I'd make all their drinks for their uh, customers, and then anyone who'd sit at the bar. I'd get tips from them and I was really great at getting tips. I'd give your first drink free and then you were guaranteed to give me a good tip. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd get a lot of change and I'd keep this change in the cup holders of my car, right? Sure. Quarters, nickels and dimes. Sure. And about this eight and a half month mark where I made it three days clean, I had about $40 worth of change in my cup holders. I mean, it's just loaded and I use it for gas. Sometimes I'd buy pot with it. Sure. You know, drinks, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, um it was a Saturday. It was a, uh, it was in the middle of the summer, I think, cuz I remember it being good weather. And um I'm driving in Willow Creek over here on a, a road called Newcastle. It's this big windy road. And as I'm driving out of the corner of my eye, I see this little girl selling lemonade. No big deal, I drive right on past. It. I didn't think anything of it. And then I had this impression come over me and says, "Turn around and give her all the money in your car."
0: Oh, how cool. I thought
1: well, that'll be cool. I got a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm not kidding. You. Make her day. I flip around. I pull up. I roll down my window. And there's this cute little fourth grade girl just sitting there smiling. Want to buy a cup yeah. of money? Yeah. And I said, how much? She said 25 cents, you know. And I said, great. I'll take one. So she pours it for me. I set it on my dash. And I tell her to cup her hands like this, you know. And. I start scooping all this change in her hand and she's freaking out. She's like, no way. And I go, hold on, I got so much more. And it takes me like eight or nine scoops to get all this change out to her. And on the last scoop, she throws the change on her table, the last scoop, you know. And there's change everywhere, all over. She takes off into her house. And I'm thinking, she's gonna go tell her parents (laughs) some dude just gave her a million dollars, right? (laughs) It It was so surreal. And as I pull away, I start to cry like I've never cried before in my entire life. It was have you ever cried so hard you feel like you're cleansing your soul? Okay. It was a soul cleansing cry. Beautiful. Um, I have to pull my car over. I put it in park. I have to put my face in my hands and I just sob like I've never sobbed before in my life.
0: <clears throat>
1: because as you know, when you're in your addiction, it's you we are the most selfish self-centered people on the planet. we It's all about us. I will lie to you, I will cheat you to get what I want. And for the first time I could ever remember, I actually did something for someone else. I made this girl's probably decade. Right? <laughs> She'll never forget yeah. that. And in that moment, mm. I felt like I mattered. I loved who I was. I wanted to be clean, right? And I'll tell you, this lit my soul on fire. And that's why I have this quote behind me in my office. By Ferdinand Foch, it says the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. I was on fire. And that all or nothing mentality kicks in. And I thought, if this little girl's here next Saturday, I'm giving her all my money.
0: That's awesome.
1: As I earn as a bartender, ironically. on The next Saturday comes. On purpose, I drive by just to see, she. sure enough, there she There she, she was. was. And I pull up and I've got $15 worth of quarters. Just and I had saved it for her. Yeah. And I pull up and she recognizes yeah. me and she's like, No,
0: yeah. way. <laughs> Here comes the money guy, yeah. right? Here's so, two cups of lemonade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so
1: I get another cup of lemonade, I give her $15 in quarters. I do this the next Saturday, give her twenty dollars in quarters. I do this the next Saturday, give her fifteen dollars in quarters. I mean, you kept this showing goes up. on every Saturday for the next two and a half months. No kidding. And every time I pull up, she just starts freaking yeah. out. Yeah. But every time I pull away, I cry yeah. my eyes out. It was the greatest high I had ever experienced, and I wanted more of it. I want more of this. Whatever this is, I I want this. And so after this, so I make it eight and a half months before I make it three days clean. Two and a half months after that, I'm doing this on Saturdays, giving this girl money. I'm still struggling. I'm still Drinking and you know doing drugs in between, but I'm feeling bad when I do that. But anyway, I decide I'm going to go to church. Yeah, I just thought, you know what, I go. Ch- I need to go check this out. I-, I need to feel more of a connection. Something's happening. Scared life. to death though. Yeah. I'm going by myself. You know, my family's anti-Mormon. Yeah, no, I mean anti. Yeah, I, mean, I can't even tell. I I have to walk past my dad and brother who are watching NFL football on Sunday <laughs> to get to my car in the garage. I've got a tie on all yeah. of a sudden. They're like, where are you going? I didn't even second. say anything. I just ran out the door as fast as <laughs> I could and t- took off. So I go to church. I'm sitting in the back corner uh, in the chapel. I just want to be, you know, hidden from everyone. Yep. Hi- hide. I honestly thought I'll just stay for a little bit and yeah. then I'm out. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking around to see who's in the congregation. Yep. On the other side of the uh, of the uh, of the chapel is the little lemonade girl no with kidding. her mom.
0: No kidding.
1: And she sees me and she's like going like this, and she's like, mom, there's the guy right there, and I'm just like, you know, (laughs) so I decide to stay, right? Well, they come walking over after sacrament's over, and the mom's crying, and she comes up and gives me this hug, and she's in my ear, and she says, thank you so much for what you've done for my daughter, and I said, you have no idea what this has done for me. And she goes, no, you don't understand. She was saving for a trampoline. You put her over the top. She got her trampoline. <laughs> she thinks you're like the greatest guy in the world, and she's sitting there right there too, just smiling at me. Yeah. And you know we're both tearing up. And I said, or she says, we have a favor to ask you. And I said, what's that? She goes, on Wednesdays there's a daddy daughter date. Would you take her oh, as sure your up. as your date? I'm like, I'm like what? And I'm like, well, what about her dad? You know, like, you know, I don't want to take the, yeah. she goes, we, uh, her dad and I divorced when she was younger. He's not a part of her life. She would really love you to go. And I say, yes, right? I'm like, sure, I can't see. she's looking at yeah. me going. Yeah. I'm like, sure, yeah. <laughs> and as I walk away, I'm like, why did I say yes? And little does the mom know, she just asked this drug addict to take like <laughs> her fourth grade daughter. She They don't know me, they yeah. don't know my story. Yep. They had no clue why, I, at this point, they have no clue you why kept, I'm doing what I'm doing. You kept showing up. Exactly. So I go pick this little girl up uh, on Wednesday and my heart's pounding. I'm scared to death. It's like this little, I, I'm just like this awkward silence as we're driving up to Big Cottonwood Canyon to this picnic site. Yeah. And I don't know her. Yeah. I mean, my heart's <laughs> pounding. I'm like, yeah, so how's recess today? <laughs> you know? How do I talk to little kids? How do I talk to this girl? Uh, did you play Foursquare? You know, it's <laughs> it like so weird. Yeah. Well, as we pull up to the picnic site up in up Big Cottonwood Canyon, Everyone's there with their dads, or all the dads are there with their daughters, right? We're late. Yeah. So I walk into this crowd. I entrance. don't know anybody. Yeah. And I'm just like, why did I say yes yeah. to this? Seriously. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> so anyway, they start playing games, right? Yeah. And one of the games was, how well do you know your daughter? How well do you know your dad? Oh favorite my Favorite color, gosh. favorite food, yeah. right? And I look at Lindy. Her name's Lindy. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, Lindy. We can't do this. Yeah. She says, let's just guess. Let's try. She says this. And I'm like, had I not been there, I wouldn't have believed it. We almost get every answer correctly. No kidding. We're like high-fiving each other. People think we're cheating. I'm like, no, I swear we're not. I mean, and we were just like, is this happening? It was like unbelievable. And I couldn't believe what was going on. Yeah. I'm used to waking up hungover with puke all over me in some of the worst circumstances, doing some of the worst things the night before. And here I am sitting with this pure innocent little girl and we're gonna have hot dogs and Kool-Aid. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, this is surreal. And, I can't believe I'm sitting here.
0: And you've got this feeling of just pure yeah. light and yeah. energy, right?
1: But what happens next is what's changed my life forever. They invited everyone in to say a blessing on the hot dogs and Kool-Aid. Which I thought was weird. I'm like, is there something wrong with the hot dogs? <laughs> you got to bless it, right? Yeah. You got to remember, I'm an infant yeah. in oh, the yeah. gospel. I don't know anything. Yeah. I'm just like, bless the food. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this guy, everyone folds their arms. So I'm just kind of following along. All right, okay. Everyone, I'll <laughs> fold my arms. I'm serious. I didn't know what was going on. And this guy just starts saying this simple little prayer to bless the hot dogs and Kool Aid. And as he says this prayer, I hear this voice in my head. Hmm. This is Todd, you're in the right place doing the right thing. You've made an impact on this girl's life that she'll never forget, and I love you. And again, that same feeling of love, floodgates. Every cell in my body is filling this love, and I lose it. In the mm-hmm. middle of this prayer, I lose it. And I'm crying.
0: They're praying for hot dogs in your bowl. And I'm like <laughs> crying.
1: And we, th- they say amen. They're looking at me like, dude, it's just hot dogs, man. <laughs> Relax. It's going to be okay. And I did. I said, guys, I'm so sorry. I go, these are happy t-. Lindy's like, are you okay? I'm like, these you are understand. such happy tears. And it was in that moment when I decided I will never drink again. I will never do drugs. I'll do my best to never tell a lie. And I want to help people like Lindy yeah. for the rest of my life. From that point forward, I created a drug-free program called Sly Dog Drug-Free That's Me, and I went around to every elementary school in the next five years, shared my story, helped kids believe in themselves to stay away from drugs and alcohol. I spoke to over 250,000 kids. How cool is that? And what was cool about that, and I didn't know where this was going to go either, I'd have parents come up to me, hey, would you work with my son and daughter? They're really struggling. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like one-on-one. I didn't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I just knew I wanted to help, but I didn't know what I was going to (laughs) do, which is kind of funny. So I start doing these one-on-one sessions and that's where my counseling and life coaching and mentoring started. I've done over 11,000 one-on-one sessions since then. Amazing. I've been clean for 31 years. And I look back on that. Are you kidding me? And so... That's when everything changed. And what I've learned is that, just like in your story, is that, yeah, God is always there, but we've got to do our part. And and he gives us all these opportunities to show up. You keep saying that word, show up. He wants us to show up because he's there. He's already showed up. He's just there. Yep. He's waiting he's for us ready. to kind of walk in the door, please. we got to tell him we and, want it. Um, I'll tell you, it... I I mean, I I can't even believe I'm sitting with you here, dude. I'm serious. Like, I pinch myself that I'm even in this position that I've been able to help and talk to so many people. And I look back in that 31-year span and what I've been able to do. I mean, I've done over 1,500 speaking events. Um, Like I said, 11,000 one-on-one sessions. I've been at Wasatch Recovery as a counselor for seven years and this is what I do. It's my passion. I do it all day long, every single day. Um, I, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I do a podcast that's just all of a sudden taken off, yeah. and I'm just like, thank you, yeah, thank you, God, for allowing me, because of my weaknesses, to make them my strengths, and to do something with it to give back. And I, I really believe that if we give it away, we get it back. Yeah. We give to get, you know? And so just like you did for Lemonade Girl. Yeah. Look at what's happened since. Yes. You gave. I gave her my money and look what happened. Uh, I didn't know what was gonna happen. But that is when everything just changed. And I say this to my clients all the time addiction, adversity is our is the wake up call to our greatness. Yes. It's trying to wake us up going, You are better than this. It's like the slap in the head. You want to just keep feeling crappy, yeah. keep feeling crappy. Yeah. But here's the exit. Yeah. You know, and and I really do believe that. I believe we go this go through this for a reason. Just like your story, Mike, where you went through this and now look what you're doing. You're making an impact, and your light is shining so bright. And now you're you're inviting others to kind of feel this and come, you know, come learn from this so they can have the same experience. And so. I don't know. It's just really surreal and
0: amazing at the same time. I don't know. Todd, you're awesome. Man. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the, I look at the, after hearing your story, I mean, even before that, but I look at the picture of your family. Yeah. And you've got a, you've got a gorgeous family. Thank you. Beautiful family. And, uh, your little granddaughter here. And, um, I, there's, there's, man, there's so much mm-hmm. to talk about in your story. Holy cow. Um, I, can I, Go, go back a little bit. I I want to, I want to ask you before, what amazes, one of the things that amazes me is the fact that, okay, well, you got these two girls that talk about fasting and prayer. You're broken enough that you're like, okay, anything and everything to help me, I'll try. Right. You've tried all the drugs, you've tried all the things and nothing's working. It's only broken you more spiritually. You're so broken that you stand up. You have the courage. It's not an easy thing to do. You have the courage to go follow them, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, what the heck is fasting? What right. is this thing? Yeah. So you try it. You're in the most ghetto place in the world. You go <laughs> in the closet. You kneel down. You say a prayer. You don't even know how to pray. You, whatever. You're not worthy right. to do that or whatever. Right. But you do it. And you all of a sudden, like, you start showing up and you you don't quit. Like, you're you're not quitting these things. Had you ever up to that point in your life thought much about God? No. Okay.
1: No, honestly, I think I was like, if I'm understanding the term correctly, I think I was agnostic, meaning I didn't say there, I didn't believe there wasn't a God, but I didn't believe there was one. I was just in the middle. Again, I, we weren't raised, I wasn't raised religious. Sure. Um, you know, my mom comes from an LDS background, but she wasn't active. My dad didn't come from that background. Um, his mom, my grandma, was Christian science, Kay. you know, and yeah. it was about faith healing. And, that, and that, that's what's interesting. I learned from my dad. That's why he was saying can't, it's a four-letter yes. word. You can be- if you believe it, you have faith, you can do anything. Yep. Yep. And he really taught me that. And that's really the basis of the Christian science religion. Yes. yes. Little did I know that's where he was bringing this from. He yeah. never said where it was coming from. But yeah. it's interesting. I learned that later in life. But uh, yeah, I, I had my thoughts. Of, I'd never thought about it, honestly. Yeah. I mean- you know, it wasn't a part of our, my upbringing at all. Yeah. You know,
0: let's go back to that. I, I What's fascinating to me, and I've learned this so much about a lot of people, um, even those as we grow up, we, see, we always look and see those people in our lives. Like the grass is always greener, right? There's the, there's the popular guy in school or there's the popular girl. And there's usually more than one, right? They're kind of spread all over, especially when mm-hmm. we're hurting. It seems like everybody's just that person. Right. Right. But we see those people that are like, man they've got everything going for them. Like everything's mm-hmm. just going right. Yeah. They seem like they have, they live in a beautiful home. There's a good family, whatever, but they're popular. They're cool. Everybody in the school loves them. And it's just, I don't know. It, it seems like there's always those people, but they, they have to be on the inside, just happy and excited. And they've got this wonderful, great mm-hmm. life, but they're broken. Yeah. I mean, here you are, one of the star basketball players on the team. You've had these phenomenal years. You're leading in every category in high school. Your dreams to play college ball, get a full ride scholarship, then go play in the NBA, and you get there. But yet, the whole way through you're you talking about uh, living this experience in high school, mm-hmm. you are broken on yeah, the inside. For sure. Yeah. Take take me back to that moment and and tell me, was there anything that you experienced there that like? gave you the opportunity to see your value or did you only find it in the sport you know
1: i mean there was i'm sure there was moments again like i said my parents were very loving they hugged me all the time and told me they loved me sure those little moments when they would hug me and that that was good that felt good yeah you know but if we look at it the big picture it really was just about basketball if it if i'm not doing that and then and then again partying at least in the beginning was well I'm the guy I'm throwing parties at my house and everyone thinks I'm this cool guy so I felt popular but for the wrong reasons sure you know now don't get me wrong I have some really amazing friends to this very day and we've been friends for life and yeah. uh, but overall when I'm thinking of you know everyone in the school thinks I'm this cool partier and that kind of thing but it was it was so surfacy because underneath me is like you know if I if I don't play a good basketball game, I'm a loser. Yeah. So I'd play a bad basketball game, and I'd be like, I suck.
0: And then it was making it to the next party. Because at the next party, yeah, that's where you exactly. shine. Todd shined. So if I played
1: parties. a really good game, you know, everyone's like, Hey, you played so good. Yeah. You know, you're feeding off the you ego. know you're, it's it's the ego yep. stuff. Yeah. Again, all external, like you yep. talked about in your story, and and e- external things do not bring lasting happiness. Yeah. It might for a moment, might feel good for a second, but if it's not coming from within you're
0: in trouble you know what do you think we can do as people to help people that are in circumstances like yourself back then like on the outside to us everything looks perfect Mm -hmm. but on the inside there's brokenness and there's hurt and there's pain what do you what do you think we can do to be more helpful especially to youth that don't know how to open up about that stuff what can we do
1: yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, every, everyone's a little different, meaning, you know, we're on different levels of struggles and things like that. And it's tough because, you know, as a kid, when you're locked in that mindset, it's almost like you don't care what anyone's saying. Sure. So it's, this is a, it's one of the biggest questions I always get. What can we do? What can we say? But again, the foundation of what I do now, it's like what you, you know, what's on my wall. The most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. I think one, that is the truth, by the way. It's yeah. not just some cute saying. Yep. No. Nope. It is the truth. And one of the things we can do as parents, as leaders, as teachers, as coaches who influence kids, that is the biggest thing is to help them understand there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Now They may not hear that in the beginning, but I'm telling you, that is where, in my opinion, this is the foundation of that. But it also starts with helping that person who's struggling understand what their true identity is. Right. It is the fastest, most effective way to change any life, is to show them their true identity. And I have a really cool way of doing this. Yeah, please. I was going to ask, how do you do that? It's so powerful Mm. and so simple. Okay. And I'll, I'll do this quickly because I don't know how much no, time we've got please. Are we good? Yeah, I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I put them through this exercise where I ask them three questions. Sure. The first question is this. If a good person came in here right now in front of us, stood right for us, we know we know they're good, what five qualities do they possess? And so I I, I write down their responses. They'll say, like, well, they're honest, they're kind, they're generous, they're hardworking, you know, they have integrity. You sure. know, so I'll write these down. sure. And when, when I get done with that, I'll say, you just described you and you don't even realize it. So, And they look at me, still puzzled, like, oh, that sounds good, Todd, whatever. And I'll say, no, I've been doing this for 30 years and I never get the same five answers from any of my clients. No kidding. And subconsciously, what just happened is the conscious part of your mind tapped into your subconscious yeah. and that's why you said those five. Yeah. And then they start going, whoa, I never thought of it. And I said... If I ask people who know you best, if I asked, are you honest, kind, hardworking, integrous, would they say, yeah, yeah, Mike is. And they go, oh, yeah. And then I'll say, here's another question. How long should it it take a baby to learn to walk? And they look at me like, what? I'm like, how long would it take? And they're like, I don't know, 12 months, 14 months. And I said, it's actually different for every kid, right? And they go, yeah. And I go, so... The answer I'm looking for is until. A baby will learn to walk until they figure it out. Yeah. So when a baby falls down, what do they do? They get stand up, up, right? Yeah. And so you never heard of a baby fall down once and go, you know what, this walking isn't for me. I quit. I'm going to roll around the rest <laughs> of my life. Right? you imagine someone's rolling yeah. around? Yeah. I didn't want to do the walking yeah, thing. It's too hard. Overrated. It was overrated. <laughs> so when a baby falls down, we all know this, they get back up. Yeah. They fall down, crack their head open maybe go get stitches, come back and get back up. Yep. They do this over and over and over again. So I ask the client, when we're observing a baby from a distance learning to walk, what five characteristics does the baby possess? Oh, that's and good. they'll say determination, resilient, um, hardworking, positive, yes. believing, yeah. right? The will to never yes. give up, yes. right? And then I'll ask them, where did the babies get those qualities? and it's in your nature yeah but it's interesting they struggle with that they go sometimes i'll get from their parents i'm like nope and then they go well they just have it and i go so they are and they go born with it i said they're born with it and i'll say what does that mean about you and they're like i was born with it too and i go what's the proof they i go i'm walking yeah i go exactly you have the will to never give up it's in your dna I can't teach my baby to have the will to never give up. It just does. Yeah. It does. Now, I can encourage it for sure. But at the end of the day, it's going to learn to walk. It yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. It will do it. And they go, that's you. You that's
0: know. And awesome. now they're
1: getting emotional. They're going, whoa. And then I'll ask them another question. I'll say, describe God or your higher power. Give me five qualities that describe God. And they'll say, forgiving, loving, compassionate, understanding. You know, uh, compassionate, sympathetic, all, you know, and we could go for hours, oh, right? Yeah. We could fill volumes, right? And then before I get into that, I say, I'm gonna share a story with you. This guy goes to God and asks God a question. And the question he asks God, he says, Who am I? And God responds back, That's an interesting question. Why don't you tell me? He's like, No, God, I'm coming to you. I need you to tell me. And God's like, No, I'm coming to you. He's like, No, God, I'm really coming to you to tell me. And God's like, no, I'm really coming to you. And then God says, the difficulty is you've always thought you and I were separate. And not until you understand that we're not separate, you realize I don't have your answer. You
0: have it. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I share that with them. And by the way, that I got to give—that's Neil Donald Walsh. I give him credit that's for awesome. that. That's awesome. And and I'll say, and then I'll say, and I'll pull that sheet up and I'll read the five qualities of a good person that describe them. But I'll say, hey, here's what you just said. God was, and I'll read those five instead of that one. I'll say, you know, kind, hardworking, compassionate, you know, nice. And I'll say that, and I go, oh, no, that's how you described you. But couldn't you say the same thing about God? And they're like, yeah. And I'll say those same things about the baby, determined, resilient, hardworking, believing, the will to never give up. Couldn't you say the same thing about your God? Yeah. See, you're just like him. You really are God. And I'll tell you what it blows everyone away, there it is. There's your true identity. Now I've got this list and I'll say, when's the last time you told yourself any of this stuff? They're like, never. Yeah. I go, that's your problem. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when you were this tall, you know, little kid, you knew who you were. You may not be able to articulate it, but you knew it. You knew it to your core. Yeah. And that's why you experienced joy all day long. But as we get older, guess what? We don't lose it, Yeah. we forget. And all I'm doing right now is reminding you of who you really are. Yeah. Um, Dallin H. Oaks, I'm going to summarize this because yeah. I don't have it memorized, but he has this beautiful thing. He says, knowing and understanding that you're a child of God is the most potent antidepressant on the planet. See, it's one thing to say, I'm a child of God, which is great. And I get this a lot in Utah. Hey, hey Who are you? Like, I'm, a, I'm child a child of God. God. I go, well, that's really cute. What does that mean? And they'll go, I I'm don't not know. sure. I have no idea. <laughs> he loves me. Yeah, he loves me. Yeah. But I'll say, when you know what that means, who's God? He's loving, kind, compassionate, strong. I mean, the list goes on. And I'll say, you're a child of that. It's in your DNA.
0: You, Your spiritual DNA came with the creator of all the universe and you and everything beautiful and good. You have that in you. Yep.
1: That is awesome. So that's what I do with my clients <clears> to make them understand your true identity. And then I'll say, how does drugs and alcohol fit in that? And they're like, it doesn't. Yeah. I go, that's your problem. You forgot who you were and you're trying to find yourself being someone you're not and all these other. I go, that's the definition of depression is you're trying to be someone you're not. Yeah. But when you realize who you really are and you get aligned with that. Yeah. That's when depression stops, and I'm serious. It's that you know, on some level, it's that simple. But getting somewhere there sometimes because they fight it. Yeah. Just like we fight God all the time, yeah. and God's like, dude, it's so simple. Why are you fighting this?" <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's so hard. It takes yeah. so m- Yeah. No, I. So
1: when I hear someone say, "Hey, I love myself," and I say, "Oh, great. Who are you?" and they go, "I don't. Uh, I'm not. I not i do not know." Yeah. And I'll say, "You can't love what you don't know." Yeah. So I remind them who they are. And then I'll say, I'll look, you know, that list that I told I you. I like that. I go, are those lovable? That's and they'll awesome. go, yeah. See, now you can look in the mirror and say, I love me because I know who I am. Yeah. The most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. Yes. And what follows I am follows you. Who am I? You're right. I'm a creator. I'm honest. I'm integrist. I'm hardworking. I'm loving. I am kind. You know, I'm brave. I'm tenacious. I am love. I am light. I am energy. That's me. That's awesome. And I know it to my core. Yeah. And then when I think, where does drugs and alcohol fit in that? It doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. Where, where does where does uh, telling myself I'm pathetic loser? Where does that fit? It doesn't. No. It doesn't. It can't. Yeah. And I can crush it. That doesn't mean I don't have thoughts where I struggle, but overall, right? I'll tell you the su- the, the the greatest definition of success. Is waking up in a good mood. Yeah. So if you're doing that, you figured something <laughs> out, right? Yep. And when you're in line with your mm-hmm. true self, when you're aligned with your higher power, God, it's God for me, you know, doing what He what he would want me to do. And that's being me, honest, kind, and, te- I mean, you know, it's so simple. We overcomplicate it. Yeah. When I'm doing that, I'm waking up in a good mood. Yeah. I woke up in a good mood this morning. I'm like, yeah. You know, I get to meet with you today. Yeah. It's going to be a great freaking day. And so I I don't know. I can't say enough about how powerful and important that is. I love it. So if we can teach someone who's struggling that
0: identity piece, which I do with my clients. Yeah. It
1: is amazing. I love it. Yeah.
0: Powerful. I I can feel, I can feel the light as you're talking about that. And and, And as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, like this, this makes sense to me because that's what God did for me when I, when I finally reached out to him with my agency, I want I, I told him that I needed him. Yeah. That I was ready to lay down myself and, and I need you. Yeah. Help me, rescue me, be there for me. Yeah. That's what he taught me. Wow. There was nothing that he ever said to me of, well, first of all, you've got all these drugs in your system and, and you've got all these things that you're doing that are wrong. This is you and you need to change you. That wasn't it at all. Yeah. Repentance is not necessarily... Dwelling on the stuff that we feel like we've become, it's to turn to Him, and when we turn to Him, there's nothing but light and love, yeah, peace and joy, yeah. And that's that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely, I, uh, there's a lot of value that everybody can take from that. Yeah, I've got two more questions sure, for you. Sure, no, now. hey,
1: we're good. I could do this all day. I know, right?
0: <laughs> and and you've got, I mean, there's there's so much light and goodness. I just feel your passion for this. I feel your passion for other mm-hmm. people, Todd. I think that's the beauty of it. Is yeah, I I. When when someone truly has gone through these difficult, hard, dark things, anyone I've talked to, and it's everyone, but anyone I've talked to that's willing to talk about that and how they've mm-hmm. found light from those darkest moments, yeah. it's always, I want to give back. I want to live a life of service. Whatever I yeah. do, I now look at it as a service to other people. Sure. And that's sure. beautiful to me. Yeah. In uh, Talk about in that moment of despair, and despair is hopelessness, right?
1: Mm-hmm
0: when you were in that moment of despair, talk to, talk to us about, there's other people there right now. Suicides are up, right? Rates are higher than they've ever been. People are hurting, but they're too afraid to say anything because they don't want more Mm -hmm. shame to come into their lives when they're already surrounded in it. They're, they're drowning in shame. What, what can we do to help anybody in that moment? Is it, Is there any, is there anything that you feel like we can say to that person or, or is there a lifestyle? Is there a way that we can live so that other people that are in that moment see us, they go, maybe there's hope. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's
1: kind of like, you know, live your life so that those that know you want to know him. Yes. You know, um, you know, that's a tough one when someone's in that dark spot, um, If you are listening to this and you are one of those in that dark spot right now, I hope my words have penetrated your heart. Because like you said, we don't have to be quote unquote worthy to get help from a higher power from your God. Because I wasn't worthy by any stretch. If you look at what worthy really means, we are all worthy. And I promise you, I'm not saying I'm trying to convert you to to believe in God if you don't for whatever reason, but I do believe it's important that i do believe there's a power bigger and stronger than us that we can reach out to i challenge you in that dark moment if that's where you're at reach out to that now if if you don't feel or have that reach out to a friend like someone like mike or myself or someone i don't care who it is tell someone you're struggling you know you mentioned in yours hold on and i like that hold on you know don't do anything drastic in this dark moment. Just hold on for a minute because it really always gets better. Here's the thing I, I, I say a lot. Um, when we were little kids, I'll ask my clients, when you were a little kid and you had a bad day, how did you handle it? I'll be like, I don't know. I'd kick and scream. I might you know, throw something across the room and cry. But, and I'll say, what always happened? And they'll go, it got better. And I go, it's funny we forget that as adults. We have a bad day, and especially as addicts, what do we do? Oh, this is too much. I go and then you go drink and you do all that stuff and it's like <laughs> th- So, the point is we were tough when we were kids. Yeah. And I want to tell you if you're struggling right now, I want you to know you're tough. So tough. You're amazing. And if let these words penetrate your heart. And I'm not just saying this cuz it sounds good. It is the truth. You're a fighter. Truth is truth, and I promise you it's there. I, I and and if you are struggling, I feel for you. You know, Mike's been there, I've been there and we've made it through it, you know, that which proves you can get through yeah, absolutely. this Absolutely. and we will help you, but reach out because again, if, if no one knows you're struggling, I mean, like really knows, I mean, I'm sure people close to you are like, something's wrong. Don't be afraid to say something, get vulnerable. Huh. The level of vulnerability we're willing to express will be equal to the happiness we'll experience. So get vulnerable and tell someone, "Hey, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking about ending my life. I need help." I promise you, the person whoever you're telling will help you. Yeah. Okay. So it, but again, that's I mean there's a lot of things there, but that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Awesome.
0: And you know, as you get vulnerable and as you open up, what what's amazing to me, Todd, people don't shame you. They no. run to you. Because people, they're struggling too. Yes, they need, that. you're like a light bulb all of a sudden. It's like, yep. and then people are like, how can I help? How can I help? Because they just want to feel that same way themselves. Because that person's needed help. And yep. they've been in that. Because yep. we've all yes. gone through
1: this, guys. We're in this together. Yep. If I hear this a lot with my clients. I don't know what my purpose in life is. And I says it's to help other people. Yep. But you can't lift someone to higher ground unless you're standing there yourself. Yep. So work on you too. Yep. It's okay to do that. But one of the best ways to work on ourselves is helping someone else. It's kind of ironic, right?
0: Go run to meet them where they are and help them out. Yeah,
1: one of my oh sorry no no no. keep going. uh, One of my favorite principles to teach is if you want to be again this is another Neil Donald Walsh. Yeah. If you want to be, give it away. Yeah. So if you want to be that's happy, that's good.
0: Go give, give it away, away happiness. Yes,
1: And then you've got happiness. But here's what I hear from my clients. I'm not happy. I how, can't do that. How can I give away what I don't have? Yeah. But here's the ironic thing about it, Mike. When you go give it away, you'll realize you've always had it. Yes. God doesn't make mistakes. Your soul isn't wrong. Your spirit isn't damaged. It's not. But that's the story we tell ourselves. Yeah. See? I always say, you don't have a, an addiction or drug problem. You have a thinking problem. Yep. It's because you think you're broken. You think you're damaged. You think you're powerless. Because of that belief system, that's why you're doing what you're doing. But the truth is, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. And it's a lie. Yeah. So, anyway.
0: I love, I love yeah. that. I love that. It's powerful. It, then you're, you're absolutely right. And it reminds me of Henry Ford that said, whether you think you can or yeah. whether you think you can't, you're right. So and it's perfect. all about the power of thinking. It's truth. Yeah. That's what that's what God's word does for us. It fills us with light and gives us yeah. the identity of truth so that we can walk around with that, right, and help sure. decipher what the truth really is. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. You bet. I, uh, I, I, I really quick want to make a comment on what you just said, too, because I feel like yeah. I, I relate to that. My the happiest guy I've ever known the one that would light up a room and always look for the one that was hurting. He, whenever he'd walk into a room, he'd connect with everybody and then he'd find the person on the outside and try and pull them in to connect my dad. And I, I look yeah. at my dad, my, my dad, for sure. When, I, when there were moments when I'd be alone with him where I could tell that he was hurting on the inside because he didn't feel like he measured up to what he wanted to in life, but right. God, he was awesome. And, yeah. and I, I you're exactly right. We can, we can give it away without really feeling that. And I, and I think sometimes those that do are hurting on the inside, even the ones that are like the happiest people in the world.
1: Well, when you do that, you connect and we hear this all the time. Connections, the opposite of addiction. Yeah. So when we're connected, we're never more fully alive than when we're connected. Yeah. So let's connect. So when you're in that deep, dark place, connect with someone. Yes. Call someone. Reach out to someone. Yes. Tell your best friend. If you got a best friend, say, hey, I don't know what to do here. Come sit with me. Yeah. Talk with me, please. They will do it.
0: Yeah. I, a good friend of mine the other day, in fact, he'll be on my podcast eventually, Taylor Napierski, nice. he said to me, I think of the word des- despair and desperate. And there's a different. Despair yeah. means to be without hope. It's mm-hmm. gone. You're void yeah. of hope. Desperate is different. Desperate to me is a fighter. Yeah. So if you're in that place where things are so dark and you don't feel like you can make it anymore,
1: yeah.
0: don't fall into despair. Sure. Be desperate. Yep. Desperate's okay. Desperate's good. Desperate means we're hungry. Desperate means we're not going to quit. Right. Desperate means we're going to rise up. Love. We're going to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, Todd, Um. last question. And this is the way I like to end on my podcast. Sure. What if you, if you think about, your family listening to you talk, and I know they'll have plenty of recordings of you, which is phenomenal yeah. for them. But if if you were going to give a gift to any listeners of mm-hmm. what your darkest hours gave to you, what gift did that darkest moment in your life, what gift did going through that, what gift did you receive that you could share with, with the listeners?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I love the question. Um, I'll, I answer it this way. I've been clean 31 years. It's a long time, but times are irrelevant. If you've been clean one day, you and I are the same because times are all all we have is this moment. But if I could go back to my addiction right now and talk to it, like if I could walk up to it, hey, addiction, remember me, you know? You know what I would say to it? I would say, thank you, and I'd give it a big hug. You want to know why? Because I'm talking to you right now. Had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be sitting here. I believe that life happens for us, not to us. It all happened for me. Now, I survived it. Some people don't survive drug addiction, they die. But I did survive. I even had a lady once say, why did my son die and you lived in front of 600 people when she said this? Mm. And I'm up there going, what do I say to this poor woman? She's crying, and I said, it isn't fair. I, I, I shouldn't be here either, but I am. And I have an obligation to give back. So what the greatest gift this has all given me is that it's made me realize of my true greatness that I have the power and the ability to bring light into other people's lives and help them get to where they need to. Now, but I got to give credit where credit is due. It it has brought me a relationship with my father in heaven and my savior, Jesus Christ, because without that, this isn't possible. And, and again, I'm not trying to preach to anyone who may be listening to this. that is not of, of our faith or whatever. That's fine, too. Your higher power, whatever you want to call it, the universe, that's fine. But I'll tell you, this is my story. Had I not gone through it, it may, I may not believe it myself either. Seriously. Like, I look back and go, what? (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I wasn't seeking out to, like, I want to go to church and believe in God. All of a sudden, it just, God led it there. It was there. Yeah. And here I am. So the greatest gift truly is, it has made me realize the greatness that's in me. And that's why I try to teach my clients that the greatness is there. Adversity and addiction is your wake-up call. It was my wake-up call, and I finally answered the call. And here I am talking to you today mike
0: ah oh, that's phenomenal i i have there's nothing to add to that that was beautiful thank um you. thank you for sharing your life you thank bet. you for thank you for just being a light and and providing safety for those of us who for all of us that it's not those of us we're no different than each other we right. all go through our battles Everyone, our dark yeah. dark times so quit we gotta stop feeling like we're secluded and, and, and we're the worst of the worst. That's, there's no room for that. That's false. That's a lie. That's fake. And you're lighting a path that is helping us to understand that there's safety, even in our darkest times. And even in the worst things that we're doing, mm-hmm. there's safety to talk about those. And yeah. that does not define us. Right. It's just a, it's just a a bump along along the road mm. of life, um, yeah. where we need to fall and struggle, just like for that sure. baby trying to learn to walk. For sure. Thank you. you this has been awesome, and Thank you. and I love I love you, and I I just oh, <laughs> I just wish you all the best, my friend, in in you. your journey.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to share.
0: Thanks, Todd. And and again, real quick. So Todd's podcast.
1: Yeah, I call it a belief cast, and it's on any major podcast you know Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify you know, Pandora, you name it, it's there. Um, it's also on my website, com, And uh, my uh, social media handle is at uh, TS Inspires. You know, if any any of your listeners have a question or need some guidance or help, I'd be happy to do so. And please reach out to me and I'll I'll for sure reach back out to you. And if you need help, I'll be happy to do whatever I can for you.
0: Phenomenal. And, and thank you for letting people reach out to you. Sure. Listen to Todd. He is awesome. Real quick, you never got to play ward ball, did you?
1: I played a little bit of ward ball. Did you show up to board? play? Yes. Yes.
0: Did you dominate?
1: Uh, yeah, at times, sure. You, you lit oh, people yeah. up oh, in yeah. ward ball? Okay. Yeah. All right. The brawl that starts with the prayer. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yep, I love there. it. I love it. <laughs> I just
0: want to make sure everyone's had the chance. It's awesome. So <laughs> It's an experience, let yeah. me tell you. Anyway, <laughs> Todd, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at cometowardsdelight@gmail.com. at gmail.com.